September 11th, 7 p.m. And uh, we have two weeks until Devils training camp hits till there's some preseason hockey is what I meant. And um, I am pumped. Yesterday was the first Sunday of the NFL season. And for many of us, um, we were excited to see what the New York Giants, and I know that you Jet fans are excited to see how your uh, your situation plays out tonight with Aaron Rodgers playing in his first game at the Meadowlands. And a lot of times, like, football is a good – I love football, but it's nice to kind of hold you over until hockey season starts because you still have that excitement of football – Unfortunately for us, if you're a Giants or a Jets fan, I feel like the past like 10 years by week four, your football season is ending and then your hockey season is kind of starting. But the the game that we watched last night between the Cowboys and the Giants was horrific. That was literally one of the worst football games I ever watched in my entire life as a Giants fan. It was so bad. I am so thankful that this was a primetime game. I don't care that the whole entire country watched us get our asses kicked and everyone's going to think that the Giants are same old Giants. I'm just so thankful that my kids didn't see them. <laughs> Seriously. Like, it, no, it, it would have scarred them to where I am. I am. They finally, you know, they had their jerseys on yesterday morning and. You know, everybody's got their jerseys on. We had the Vegas over and we were, we watched the one o'clock games and the energy was good. And, um, and then I went over to Parabos. He had all the guys over and he's obviously a Cowboys fan. We had all the guys over and it was, it was embarrassing. I was actually embarrassed. Me and Harry and a couple of us were just, we had, it was so quiet. We sat outside in the rain under a tent. But um, they could honest to God didn't make it past the first quarter at the end of the first quarter. I went, I, I, I was done. Jeez. I mean, that's pretty bad. I mean, I at least made it. It to, is bad. It is bad. That's bad. I made it to halftime um, before I left. And then I, I, I actually called Kyle on the way home and, and I was like, dude, we're literally a half hour into football season. And it's just, it feels like, it feels like it's over. They didn't get, they didn't quit. And, and they do listen, 
the Giants are in a much better position this year and last year than they've been in the past decade. There's no doubt about it. But the performance last night was just, it was one of the worst performances I've ever seen. And it was in such a big game versus, you know, you have Dallas coming to town, opening night, everybody out in the rain. I kept th- I kept thinking, like, thank God I'm not there. You know what I mean? Look, that's a game normally I would have been at. And I, I thought talk- you were going. Yeah, and I, t- I talked to Jamie. Me and Harry thought about it, and I talked to Jamie, and he was like, everybody left at halftime, and people were just beating the shit out of one another. And, you know, I was like, oh, my God. That was, that was rough. But luckily – Devil's camp, rookie rookies report to camp, I believe, at the end of this week. And Devil's camp opens up next week. And before you know it, hockey season's going to be here. We are 30 days away from puck drop. Devils will be playing on October 11th in uh, in Newark. And it's good to it's good to be back with everybody. It's been a long time. The summer is like my busy time of year, so I don't really. It kind of works out to where. Uh, as far as work goes, this is when I'm kind of spread the thinnest, so I don't have as much time to talk to everybody. But um, after Labor Day, things lighten up a bit, and uh, it's good. It's good to it's good to have an entire season of hockey ahead of us, and it's good to have a team that there is a serious hype machine around the Devils right now, to where everybody is on board. And it's been a long time since we've seen something like that. So this is all kind of new for us. And this is going to be, this is the first official uh, episode of the second season of The Trap. So we kind of touched on our predictions and stuff for the Eastern Conference. And we we talked about the signings and stuff. But we're going to label this season two, episode one. Does that work for you? That works for me. What about the big goalie signing today? What's that? The devil signed uh, Calgren. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. They signed him from uh, Toronto. He's kind of a nobody. I'm waiting for that big announcement to come out that, you know, Fitzy's played it so cool and, you know, just waited him out and, you know, Hellebuck's on his way. (laughs) It's funny that you bring that up because – from what it sounds like is Buffalo and the devils both went back and kicked the tires on Hellebuck again. And, um, the asking price is still through the roof. And Elliot Friedman reported that it sounds like Hellebuck is now open to possibly signing an extension in Winnipeg towards this year. Now, whether or not that's true, I don't know. Um, but I feel like, They've kind of exhausted the Hellebuck opportunity. And I think that there is another opportunity. I've heard rumors that Logan Thompson is looking to get out of Vegas. And if you look at Logan Thomas uh, Thompson, he's, he's played pretty good. He only has played in 57 games in his career. He played 37 games last year and had, an, and a, had a save percentage of 915. And obviously he played on Stanley Cup winning team. So he's played, you know, down the stretch in the playoffs. He looks like the guy that could potentially be, uh, could control the crease between him and Aiden Hill in Vegas. 
but it sounds like he wants out. I mean, he's a kid. He's only 26 years old. He's six foot four, 200 pounds. He's from Calgary. He's undrafted. But um, this might be a guy who's a little more, he kind of fits more in what the Devils are trying to do because I don't think that they want to really empty the cupboard as far as prospects and picks go because they've already exhausted that with Timo Meyer. Yeah, and they shouldn't do that. I don't think they should do that. I think I'm not totally opposed to us starting the season and, and finishing the season with VTech and Schmidt. I mean, that would not break my heart if that's our tandem. Yeah, I think that we're going to want to get a better idea as to what Schmidt actually is, too. I think that you need to get a bigger sample size. And, you know, you're kind of putting in, a, you know, he's going to be in a position where he's going to be on a very high offensive powered team to where if he is kind of leaky and, you know, the devil should be able to score three between three and four a night. So he's not going to have to be perfect, but at least we'll have a better idea as to what we're dealing right. with moving forward. I mean, I think we kind of have an idea who Vanacek is. I thought that he was a, he was one of our best players in the first half of the year last year. I think he kept us in games, and I thought he played really strong. Down the stretch, he got a little wobbly. He obviously played a lot more games than he's ever played in his career, so he might have he might have been worn out a bit. And then we saw Schmid come in. We're also not going to have to deal with three goalies. Like I, I feel like managing right. three goalies is is not realistic, and I, I, they were finding ways to get Blackwood involved. He did have a couple of good games, but he was so inconsistent. And I think that just removing that piece from the puzzle gives you a little, it, it just gives you a little bit of, um, it seems like a little more structured, like you're going to have your your 1A and your 1B or or even just your starter and your backup. But I think getting Schmid some reps is really important because the Devils need to figure out their window is open so they need to figure out, do they need to make a move for a franchise goalie and someone that they think could bring them to the promised land, or are they going to extend Schmid and hope that he's going to be the franchise goaltender moving forward? I think we're going to find out real soon. I think he's going to get enough games early to, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to get a good, good look at him. I think he, he could be our, he could be our franchise goalie. He, but when you don't he know. looks when you don't know when he looks good, he looks real good. Um, he looks very calm. You know, it looks like the team, the the team plays really good around him. That they're they're confident. He's not giving up big rebounds. I I like seeing him in that. So do I. I just hope um, I just hope that we can get a little more clarity. And as long as he can continue and he looks the way that he did last year down the stretch, I, I know he had a couple rough playoff games, but he did come in and he kind of bailed us out of that Ranger series. I think that if he just comes in and he plays the way that he did in the second half of the regular season and in the playoffs, um, you have something to work with and you can, and you can build off of it. But until then, I think there's still just a big question mark over Schmid's head. And and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I think that he could actually be better than he was last year, and he could end up being a franchise goalie. And I think if he did, you might be able to get him for cheaper than if you were to go out and try to get a free agent or try sure. to trade for somebody. So I think there's a lot of opportunity when it comes to our goaltending as far as um, how it's going to play out. Now, when it comes to depth, we really don't have a ton of depth at the at at that position. So 
you're, you're hoping that you're going to see a strong start from, from Schmid. Now, luckily I think the devils get off to, I think that their schedule is pretty favorable in the beginning of the year. And I think it's important for them to get off to a, a strong start um, just to build that confidence, work off of last year, maybe live up to the hype that they're getting around the league right now, because you know, the devil's hype machine right now is like, unlike anything that we've seen in a very long time, like even back before the 2012 Stanley cup, um, the final run, I don't remember a year where there were this many people that were this high on the devils, including Vegas and including everybody else. And rightfully so I look at our lineup and we are so strong. I mean, that to fully pick up was just, I thought it was, was really, huge. I thought it was brilliant. I think Sharon Govich, although I liked him and I thought I liked the fact that he was a homegrown player and he definitely, he, he was a good, he was a good, he had a good shot and obviously he could trick goalies with that shot. But I felt like in the playoffs, I don't know if he was somebody that was going to be some, you know, you were going to be able to rely on him and he was going to have the grit and the determination and kind of uh, the physicality in order to make, you know, score a clutch goal or block a, a block, a big shot in the playoffs. And we know that Tyler Toffoli is somebody that is capable of doing that. And for Fitzgerald to get Toffoli for Sharon Govich and basically trade away a pick that was Calgary's that they traded to uh, Columbus and we, Severson was going to walk anyway. So for in order right. for us to get a pick for that and then to trade them to get to fully, I think is a huge upgrade. And I think when you have a couple of soft spots in your lineup, especially in the middle six, if you, you know, if you have a winger on your fourth line who maybe, you know, you're looking to replace, I think that's a little bit easier. But when it comes to your your middle six, I think the good teams, you always see those transition transactions that they make right before the deadline. And it's always like a like a you know, sandpaper guys, like you can't have enough sandpaper guys and they trade right. away like second right. round picks and first round picks in order to get those guys that are willing to do all the little things to, to take the team to the next level. So I think that the, to fully pick up was huge. Um, but I like to mention, he's going to make a big difference in our power play. He yeah, really hopefully. should. Yeah, hopefully. Um, but you look at the lineup and just, you know, the thought that, and I said this, this is this is probably my boldest prediction I've ever made was <clears throat> when the when the Devils made the trade for Meyer and I I saw the way you know I just uh, his game just is really like my kind of style I said that if the Devils sign him long term I believe that we will win a Stanley Cup with him and I believe that if we do they'll eventually hang his jersey in the rafters at the Prudential Center that's bold But, um, you know, you look at you look at Meyer going into next year. He's not playing for a contract anymore. The guy got paid. He said he wanted to be here. He's going to have a whole training camp where he's going to find a place to fit in. Do you think that do you think that Meyer will? Do you think that Meyer will have the most goals on the team next year? I don't. I don't. I, I would, if I was picking somebody to have the most goals, I would say Jack Hughes. But. Okay. Do you think that Meyer will score 40, 35? I hope he does. I hope he does. I think he'll be in the 30s for sure. And do you I think can't see him be, not being in the Do you the think third. he'll lead the team in hits? 
he will definitely lead the team in hits. He'll definitely lead the team in hits, and he'll definitely be one of our top three team leaders by the end of the year. Yeah, so you figure if he could score 35 goals and if, you know, could play basically and leads the team in hits, I mean, that's somebody that's really affecting games for you, and that's somebody that you're going to need in the playoffs. So I'm just looking forward to a full year at Timo Meyer. <clears throat> You look yeah. at how much he tilted the ice in the playoffs without scoring goals, right. just disrupting and taking players off their game. He looked really good. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you got to check out, well, actually I know you did, but I don't know if the listeners got to check out the 32 thoughts, um, the interview with Jesper Bratt that Elliot Freeman and Jeff Merrick did. I'm sure most of you did, but um, I was really impressed with um I was really impressed with Jesper Bratt. I thought that he he came off really well, and um, and he brought up he brought up a bunch of different points. One of them was that how he was happy to sign that one year contract because he felt like it was, you know, he likes having the pressure on him. He likes having to work hard and know that if he if he doesn't have success, then he's not going to get paid. And and they were like, well, you just signed for eight years finally. And it's like, and he's like, you know, I'm kind of not looking at it like an eight year deal. I'm looking at it like eight one year deals. Yeah. And and that I was that. I thought that was really I thought that was really insightful. And I thought that was a really good way to look at things. He brought up obviously that he has a mental coach, which I think a lot of athletes do at this point. And sports psychology is a huge, a huge business. Um, but you know, he talked about how he he was a really great player in practice, and that's something that you see from a lot of. There's a lot of really talented hockey players, and not just hockey players, but athletes in general. But when they get into the game, for some reason, they don't have that confidence, or it, they they kind of lock up and they can't put it together. And um, for him to you know come out and not admit, but for him to talk about it and know that he has the skill to to do incredible things, but he wasn't able to put it together for a while. And he's kind of figured out, Hey, listen, if things go awry, because we've have seen him disappear at times, you know what I mean? And that's something that has been something that has circulated around him. He's a guy who is, he's one of the most gifted players on our team by far, but he got, he got a little slack for not, you know, performing in the playoffs the way that we thought he could. And there's been times where there's been, you know, 10 game goal droughts and Nico has had it happen too, but Nico is no, has a 200 foot game. So he kind of gets let off the hook a little bit. And, but um, to see Brat working on the mental side of the game, it was really impressive. And he was talking about journaling and everything else. I thought that was cool. Um, he talked about obviously playing wing when you're playing alongside Nico compared to playing alongside Jack. And uh, I really, I, I've been saying it forever. I just I think Nico Heischer does not get enough appreciation for his offensive game and, and especially his shot. And they talk and he brought up specifically that he scored a lot of goals from the outside, from from far distance. Right. And he does. I'm telling you, Nico has a sick release and he likes that far post, like when he's coming down a, a wing. So and then um and then he talked about how, you know, Hughes is just he basically is able to find open ice and uh, you know, he, he makes it very easy to be a winger with him because all Brat has to do is just find a pocket and find some space. And he knows that the puck could come to him and, and Jack can make things happen. Um, is there anything else? Like what, what do you think of that interview? 
I thought it was great. And I thought he brought up a, a ton of great points, just like you said, about Nico not being appreciated. Um, I look back, you know, there's no hockey on. And I, I recorded all at the R Rangers playoffs and, uh, you know, Carolina and watched them over and over and over. And you could see, you know, he wasn't scoring goals uh Brat wasn't scoring goals, and you were, but he did play good. I mean, he played good away from the puck. He played good defensively. Um, he, he made a big play uh, on the Dougie Hamilton goal in Game Three that won them the game. Absolutely, absolutely. And just seeing him, just seeing him talk about having a mental coach and knowing that you know he's still a young kid. What's he? How old is he? Twenty three, twenty four. He's got. He's got a bright future. I mean, he's going to mature. He's going – his game is going to only get better. Well, that's, that's like what the guys I believe. came out of Nico's draft class, they're in their prime right now. Like, so moving forward, this next five, six-year stretch is their prime of their career. So whatever we see from him, I would think moving forward – is going to be the Jesper Bratt that you get. And we saw a big leap in obviously his production from the first two, three years that he was here. He's been in the league for six years now. It's like compared to a long time. Yeah. So it's like, this is, he is in his prime. And, and I think that the devil's got a good price on him. I think 7.875, I believe it was, is, is a great price. And, um, you know, during this summer, especially in the past like week or two, we have seen a bunch of contracts that have been signed. And I'd like to go through some of them. And what I'm noticing is like everybody just compares the contracts to the Devils, right? Like, so like, I mean, if you follow, <laughs> if you follow like Devils Twitter or something like that, all the Devils fans are just like, well, like Jake Sanderson, so Jake Sanderson just signed. He's 21 years old. He just signed an eight-year, uh, $8 million deal, $64 million. And obviously, Sanderson is a, is a guy who the Senators plan on being a, a piece of their core that they're going to build right. around moving forward. And the Senators are a team that's on the come up, and they have <clears> – <throat> they have a lot of aspirations ahead of them. They're about to have a new ownership and everything else. So they want to lock up the players that they think are the core pieces of their team. Jake Sanderson has an NHL pedigree. His father was, a, was an NHL player. And for them to pay him $8 million as a 21-year-old when he's only played in a handful of games, um, do I think it's a lot? I, I kind of think it's fair. Like I kind of think that that is what he is going to deserve. He's actually going to deserve more. And you look at what Tom Fitzgerald did with Jack Hughes and you think to yourself, exactly. I'm pretty sure that there's going to be a lot of general managers that are going to want to sign their star players that they plan on building the future of their team around for the money before they blow up. You know what I mean? So, and, it, and it's like, you have a guy like Dawson Mercer and he's a guy that you could kind of like extend a bit because you already have the core really in place. But like the, the senators are in a position to where they have to sign him. Like, so people are like, I'm looking at online and everyone's just like, 
who would you rather have? Jack Hughes and Timo Meyer and Dougie Hamilton for $63 million? Or would you rather have, you know, blah, blah, you know, Jake Sanderson? Listen, I get it. Like, I get it. You can't compare everybody to the Devils. Tom Fitzgerald has literally put together just an incredible, um, an incredible roster at incredible prices. And, and like to compare the devils to everybody, we're, we're, we basically have a plethora of riches that are at a very good signing price. You know what I mean? Like everybody's on a team friendly deal at this point. Um, right. Hughes has the best contract in the league and, you know, everybody wavered when Fitzgerald signed him at that much because he really signed him before he started performing. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. That's what that's what I'm saying. Like Jake Sanderson hasn't really performed like that. He's been good, and like he's he was the number two pick. Was he the number two pick? He was like four, I think. Um, and he and he's given he's given Ottawa every reason to think that he's going to be something very special. So sure, it's like, sure. yeah, it's like all right, they're going to sign him for eight million dollars, and I think that that was a good deal. Um. And then you go through and you look. I mean, I think the biggest signing so far this offseason has obviously been Austin Matthews. And Austin Matthews signs a four-year deal for $13.25 million, making him the highest-paid hockey player ever. And um, what, what would you do? I mean, so you have a new general manager who's just come into Toronto, um, what are you going to do? Are you not going to sign Austin Matthews? Do you think that Austin Matthews is not worth $13.25 million? Like, of course he is. Like, so I, I think that like when I see the devil's community, like kind of laughing and like making fun of these other signings, I feel like we kind of stepped in shit a little bit. And, and it's like a I lot of it. Both I, feet. <clears throat> yeah. And I think that, I think that these players are worth it. So, like, there's rumors that Rasmus Dahlin is about to sign an eight-year, $10.5 million contract with Buffalo, and Buffalo is a team who I'll talk about in a little bit who I just think is going to explode. And it's going to be centered around Ras- uh, Rasmus Dahlin on the back end. Like, he is a potential Norris Trophy candidate for the next decade, and for $10.5 million – I feel like that's a pretty good deal. Now you would say, well, we got Dougie Hamilton for $9 million. We did, but he's their franchise defenseman. Um, and I think I think he deserves every single penny of it. I did hear from Bill Daly that it sounds like the cap could go up $10 million in the next two years. Wow. That would be – that would – that would be huge. It would open up a lot of doors. And that's why I know that you get very, very concerned about signing people. <laughs> and you just, you know, you're scared. I'm, of, I'm a cat worry work. <clears throat> but uh, I think, you know, the cap has been flat for a very long time due to COVID and everything else. There's, It's finally going to open up. And, and to have a 10-year or a $10 million jump within the next two years is going to allow a lot of flexibility. And especially when you have team-friendly deals, it'll allow us to add certain pieces and whatnot and, and sign the players that we have um, long, long-term long to respectable deals that they don't feel slighted or they're not going to be looking to jump ship once they become unrestricted free agents. 
it would 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 you want to sign Luke Hughes now to um say a seven year deal? Well, he still has another at the end of this year. No, at the end of this year. At the end of this year, I think it would. I think it would pay for us if uh, Dawson Mercer gets off to a good start to lock him up for a little while because lock him up before he becomes too successful. It looks like that's his trajectory. He, you know, he's a guy that plays every single, every single minute, every game. You know, he's he's like he's there. He's on the bench. He's he's ready to go. I'd like to see uh I would like to see them get one of those seven year deals out of Luke Hughes if he gets off to a good start. Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the things is like they're they're restricted. So <clears throat> you're not really you're not forced to sign them right away. Although it's probably sometimes in your best interest to sign them before they get more years under their belt. Um and before the cap goes up, when the cap goes up, you're going to have agents, you know, spending that, that yeah. extra yeah, $10 million. Dollars. But, but, it, but you're still, you're still going to be, there's comparables that you're going to be compared to. And, you know, it's just like buying a house. You know what I mean? It's like the same, it's like the same kind of thing. You know, we could get into Luke Hughes a little bit if you want. Um, and, and he's a guy who the devils are going to have Luke Hughes is like the shiny new toy. And um, I was listening to Corey Pronman, who does, he, he does, he rates all the prospects and everything for the athletic. I'm sure many of you are familiar with his work. Um, but he was basically saying, listen, like Luke Hughes, Quinn Hughes, who just got named captain of the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, congratulations to him. They're really doing all they can to make sure that he doesn't jump ship. Absolutely. <laughs> um, he, they were saying that, like, as far as hockey IQ goes, Quinn Hughes is the smartest in the in the um, as far as being a hockey in the Hughes player, family. Hughes yeah, family. And they were saying that Luke Hughes is not the least smartest, but he's a guy who relies on his length a little bit more and his skating ability. Um, obviously, because he's also playing defense, so he's like in a position to where if Jack Hughes is trying to do too much and he gets beat, he's, he's a center. Of course he still has to get back and play defense, but he, they, he doesn't get exposed as much. If you, if you try that on defense, you're going to get, you're, you're going to get exposed. And one of the things that I think when I, when I think of Luke Hughes is he is a, a very big risk taker. And like, that's the one thing that like, sometimes I sound like I'm down on him. I'm not, I think he's going to do all the things that are going to, get a ton of attention and a ton of media and he's going to be really fun to watch and he's going to be really lovable, especially with his brother on the team. But I do think that he is, he's plays the game on the edge and you know, that no risk, no reward, but I, I don't mind it. I really don't mind it. I mean, he broke, didn't he break Quinn's records in Michigan? I think he could be, I think he could be as good as Quinn, if not better. I'm not, I'm not debating that. That's only not, because he has his size. That's not the, that's not a debate. I'm not debating that at all. I don't think that the kid can be an, an all-star and a hall of famer. I, I really do. I think he's going to be very good. I, I hope that he matures as far as 
being a younger guy on a team who's going to be trying to win Stanley Cups, he's going to have to, you're going to get exposed regardless. Like, so it doesn't matter if you're Nemitz and you're like a very high IQ guy who, who tries to play very positionally. If you're playing defense in the NHL for the first time, you will be exposed. So I'm not going to pick him apart right. every time he makes a mistake. That's just not realistic. But the way that he plays, he's like a riverboat gambler. And I hope that he <laughs> keeps – I hope that they – I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> you'll like it until he blows No, I'm saying I, I, like, I like that analogy. Yeah, so I, like like, I, think, I think he needs to – I think they need to like make sure that he is composed and understands the situations. You want to pull that stuff when you're up and you're a couple goals or something like that. But when, you know, when the time, when you're in the playoffs and you're on the power play and then you try behind the back pass and it, and they get stuff down your throat, those are the things that you have to try to reel in rookies and try to reel in young defensemen and have them understand the situation of a game. Um, Okay. So <clears throat> we're going to go over a couple of things right here. One of the things we'll do is, uh, and I saw somebody posted it. I'm sorry if I can't remember your name. Um, it was, who do you have that you think is going to be an unsung hero on the Devils next year? So somebody that is not one of your core pieces, you know, flies under the radar. A guy like Marino last year, how he, he, he right, that. like right. somebody, you know, or even I thought Vanacek or Schmidt or wh- whatever it is. I mean, is there is there a player that you see next year kind of stepping up and really help propelling this team to the next level? I would love for it to be, you know, Schmidt. I would definitely love for it to be him. If it if you're talking about the back end, Siegenthaler would be my pick. I think that he's progressively gotten better, and he's going to he's going to take a big step this you year. You thought he was better last year than he was the year before. I do, I do, I just do. Hmm. He took a bigger role. He took a bigger role. Um, he moved up. He moved up in the lineup, didn't he? No, he played with he played with Dougie Hamilton both years. Both years. <clears throat> okay. Um, you have you you think Siegenthaler? I think Siegenthaler. I would say Siegenthaler. I think Andre Palat too is going to is going to bounce back. He's going to be hopefully be healthy this year. Carries a lot of experience. You know, a veteran guy that could just show the younger guys, you know, the way. Yeah. I think both of those guys are, are people that I'm looking um, to. I mean, I think Palat's going to have like a more of a, a bounce back year, as you would call it. He obviously dealt with that groin injury and uh, he is going to be an important piece. I think our third line is going to be, is going to be um, have some favorable matchups uh, with the talent level that we'll be able to put on our third line, whether it's uh Palat and Hollow with Holtz or or if you have Mercer or whoever you have down there. Um, but I, I think our back end is our biggest question mark besides our goaltending. And losing Severson and Graves were both two guys that could play the penalty kill. And um, I mean, obviously Severson could play the power play, but there was a lot of experience between the two of them. 
And, uh, you know, I'm looking for Kevin Ball to really try to take the next step. And he's going to be the guy that's going to chew up a lot of penalty, a lot of minutes on the penalty kill. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that he can really take that next step and solidify himself as more of a shutdown defenseman. Um, like full time, you know what I mean? Like not have the ups and downs. Right. Everybody's going to have their, their ebbs and flows, but uh, I, I'm hoping to see him. And I'm also hoping to see a little bit more consistency with Siegenthaler as well. I thought Siegenthaler had some difficulty at points last year. I thought he played better the year before. Um, one of the things that like people just like, I think the average hockey fan doesn't really pay attention to that to me is one of the most impressive parts of the game, especially, you know, as a defenseman is just gap control. And you see the speed that the league, the league is about speed now, like let's be real. And you see what the devils do to teams and they basically run them into the ground. And it's because they get these defensemen flipping their hips and they get the pucks deep on them and they can't keep up. And by the third period, they're completely worn out. You look at the gap control that Siegenthaler is able to, it's like, it's insane. He's, he's very well positioned defenseman. That's why it kind of looks like he's not doing a ton all the time is because he's constantly in, in position and to have that speed for such a big guy, like he's a big dude. His skating is very, very underrated in my opinion. And I actually think his edge work is really great too. Um, he's a guy that just chews up pucks gets pucks into the corner when people are coming down on him. And it's because he has really good gap control and it's because he's such a fluid skater for being such a big guy. So I'm expecting a bounce back year, not bounce back because it's not like he played bad last year, but I'm expecting and hoping that he can be one of the unsung heroes on the team with some new blood coming in on our, uh, on our back end. Yeah, I missed the the healthy scratch thing with him. It's I didn't think he played bad. I thought that he was I thought he played solid and when he did come back after healthy scratches, he he did perform real well. I didn't see I didn't see him having really an an off year. And I think that you're 100% right with Ball. I think Ball was just trying to stay in the NHL, stay in the bigs. Uh, last year and you saw when he got a little confidence that he was there he started being more physical and he started jumping into the play more he played he played like he could be a really good NHLer yeah he was surprisingly good offensively I thought that he I thought he did a pretty damn good job with the puck in the offensive zone and as far as getting shots through or knowing when to pinch and when not to or even carrying the puck I, I I was really impressed. I mean, when you look at him, you just automatically assume that he's going to be a stay-at-home kind of Ken Danico of 2023 type of guy. And he's actually his, – his skating has progressed quite a bit over the past two years. I mean, he was not that – he was not that good of a skater two years ago. Right. And, and you're thinking right. to yourself, you know, if you're at this level, can you really improve that much? And it's like, yeah, sure you can. And – you look at a guy like Alex Holtz, and I think that his skating is going to continue to improve as well. It's funny. I was looking at this article, and they were saying that Tom Fitzgerald basically came out, and he said – he didn't basically. He actually – he said um, Alex Holtz is a pillar of the of the New Jersey Devils organization. And for him to say that, that means that they plan on using this kid moving forward. You know what I mean? And I think that, like – 
that's a, I think he expects Lindy Ruff to hear that as well. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And you would hope so, you know, such a high draft pick, you would hope that, that he's ready, he's ready to go now and he can do all the things that we saw. The reason why we did draft him so high, he's got such a great shot. Um, I would love to, I would love to see, see that come, come through this year. Yeah, I think it is. I think this is going to be the year that he he busts onto the scene. You're going to get, he's going to be cheap, and he could. I, I would not be surprised if he has if he plays in sixty plus games and has over fifteen goals or something like that. I could, I could definitely see that happening because once he gets comfortable, he's going to be the kid that just finds the net. Like there's no doubt about it. Like he just needs to get comfortable and he needs to understand. You know, he needs to understand where to be on the ice when you don't have the puck on your stick, and that's something that I think is his biggest flaw right now. Do you want to see him in the top six? Um. I'm, I don't think, you know, like the way that I look at it, I don't think that the Devils are going to keep their lines together for any significant amount of time to begin with. Um, I have no problem with him playing in the top six and Mercer playing on the third line. I honestly, I think if anything, it just adds a little more depth and a little, I mean, like Hall of Palat and Mercer would be impossible for a team to play against. It doesn't matter. Like a second and third line doesn't. I, I just to me that like whether you're in the middle six, the top, I, it it doesn't matter to me. If he deserves to play there and he's and he looks like he belongs there, then you should play him. If he okay. doesn't, then don't play him. Like, but I don't I don't see why he wouldn't be able to play with Heisher, and he would be able to play with Halla. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. So, and I don't see why Mercer wouldn't be able to play with Halla and Palat. Those guys look like they're all like. They look well, like, I, I would just think because of the minutes. That would be the only thing that would I, concern me. But see, but you can manage a player's minutes during a game too. So like if he's not on, I mean, you could just manage his minutes. I mean, they did it with our third line last year. I mean, in the, once the playoff hit, we didn't even have a third line. You know? Right. So it's like right. you could manage you can manage all that stuff. I mean, they had Hughes playing with Bastion at one point. It's like you can right. you can make all that stuff happen. Um I wouldn't look too much into that. I don't I don't really look too much into opening day line combinations. I mean, it could change halfway through the first game. So, it's like You know who you know who like I think the Devils really did get something and we, there may be something here is our second round pick this year and Lenny Hamanaho. This kid looks yeah, pretty they're, good. They're saying that they stole him. This and I that's why good. I can't wait 2 weeks from now you're probably going to be able to take a look at him. Is he going to be over here, or is, I think he's in? Finland. I hope so. I think he might be in Finland, but I would love to see him here. Um, he looks like a guy who would be a perfect third liner. Perfect third liner. They're like he doesn't like you know he's not going to like blow you away with his speed or anything, but he's super smart. He's in the right place at the right time. He can finish. Goes to the front of the net. I I think we I think the Devils got something here with Hemanaho. I would definitely keep an eye on him. Um, and it's funny because we have to go into your boy Matt uh, Matt Vay Mitchkoff, who you know you were super high on him going into the draft, and obviously I think the whole world was. He has looked really good on pretty much every stage that he's ever played, um, and unfortunately he dropped, and the Flyers got him. And you see, you know, he's had a weird story around him. He's basically a celebrity over in Russia. 
as a kid. His father was murdered right before the draft. And Russia is a, is a place where teams are struggling to draft players because they don't know if they're going to be able to get them over. But more importantly, the, the KHL, they, they don't like developing players. So they are about winning. They look at it as a professional league. And what's weird to me is Mitchkoff was already one of the best players on the team right. prior, last year. And they have healthy scratched him four of his first five games. And if you're a Flyer fan, like, you need this kid playing in games in order to, to continue to progress because it is, it is a, a slippery slope. It's hard enough to come right. over here from right. Europe to begin with. And when you start, and I, I think I read today that his team loaned him to SKA, I believe. Let me pull it up real quick. Yeah, I looked at this draft as being like the Ovechkin-Crosby draft. I really, I, I think this kid, Mitchkoff, is, is just, he's a player. And I can't understand them loaning him, sitting him, doing punishing him, whatever they're doing to him. Yeah, so he was sent to the KHL's uh, HC Sochi on loan. He's been a healthy scratch, though. It's like, this is... The Devils don't need to have this kid. You know, I don't want to see him, obviously. No, I don't want to see him playing against us. I don't want to see him playing against us. I also don't want to see the kid's life ruined. I mean, his father was just murdered. But, like, when you have... I think it already was. <laughs> yeah, but, like, when, you know, when you have something like that happen, they were saying, like, he might not want to leave his mother. You know what I mean? Because that might be a weird situation. The kid obviously has a lot going on What that are is well beyond hockey. Um but I think that's why you saw him fall to the Flyers, despite having incredible talent. So that's a that's a weird that's a whole weird storyline that you're going to have to pay attention to as the season progresses because um, he could be a real threat. And it's like it looks like Danny Briere and the and the Flyers are actually starting to do the right thing and tear this whole thing down and rebuild from the bottom. So right, he would be a key piece to all of that. Um. You know, one of the guys that's still hanging out there is Thomas Tatar, who surprisingly hasn't been signed yet. You saw that he fired his agent. He got a new agent today who is the same, has the same agent as uh, Andre Palat. And um, I'm hearing rumors that Lou has him signed for the Islanders already. I, yeah, I read that too, that he has him signed. He just doesn't, didn't announce it. You know, everybody was speculating that he was going to the Penguins. Um, but then I did read that. I read that like a week ago that Lou has him signed and it's a, you know, it's a Lamarillo move that he just didn't announce it. Yeah. He's a good hockey player. I mean, the guy's been playing a long time. He's had 20-something he goals. But... Would you want to re-sign him? Uh, I don't think that we're not really in a position to spend that kind of money on him. I tell you what. The Pittsburgh Penguins, they they could be good. Like, I know Eric I know. Eric Carlson and Chris Letang. That's pretty. I don't That's care. I do not That's care solid. if they are thirty four years old, thirty five years old. Those are two of the best skating defensemen we've seen in the past, you know, twenty years. And to have them both, I mean. 
both power plays are going to have one of them quarterbacking them, which is crazy. It's like Eric Carlson's won what two Norris trophies or three Norris trophies. I mean, he was the best. He was the best defenseman in the league for a couple years when he was playing with Ottawa last year, a hundred and something points as a defenseman. It's like, damn, like I think, you know, we kind of like blew past the penguins. They're not super fast, but um, with the addition of graves and him on the back end, they're it's pretty good. Right. Another team too, which here we should get into this. Let's do, let's do, um, we got top five storylines for the NHL this year, or we have, and we have pick your trophy winners. What do I, do? I thought we were. I thought we were doing uh, top five uh, lines, NHL lines. Huh? I thought you. I thought you text me. Pick your top five lines in the NHL. Storylines. Top five storylines in the NHL this year, and then who wins Norris Trophy, Hart Trophy, Vesna Calder? Okay. Well, you know who I got for the Calder. All right. Well, we'll do right here. We'll start off with the Hart Trophy. Now, we have to we have to basically take Connor McDavid out of there. Connor McDavid goes out. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let me ask you something. Is Connor McDavid the best hockey player you've ever seen? Are we are we going down that Bedard road again? I'm yes, th- he is by far. By far, yes. So you think he's better than Wayne Gretzky? Do I? Okay, all right. Um, I thought you were talking about. No, I would say I would say that that. It's. I think that he is better than Wayne Gretzky. I, I do think too. that he is. I would agree. It's definitely. It's. It's, it's a different the game. game. Has changed so much. Um, when Wayne played, if 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 McDavid played, when Gretzky played, he would definitely ha- he would have outscored him. I would agree. He's just that. He's that much faster. I would agree. Um, and let's really dive into what we're watching with Connor McDavid right now. Um, and, and we're going to do top five storylines and this ties in. So this is one of my top five storylines, top five storyline. One number one is does the Edmonton Oilers do the Edmonton Oilers win a Stanley cup and can they get to at least the finals? We are witnessing greatness. Connor McDavid is doing things that nobody has ever done with a hockey puck at the speed that he is doing it and in control. He is phenomenal. And I understand that Wayne Gretzky put up more points. The goaltending position was much different. More goals were scored in the eighties. It's like, I know people think the nineties less goals were scored because there was clutching and grabbing and there was the trap and all that stuff. And that is the truth. But in the eighties, there was, there were scoring eight goals a night. And you look at what Connor McDavid has done, and it is insane. So, first of all, the guy plays 
all the time. So, uh, he came into the league in 2015, 2016. Uh, he played in 45 games and had 48 points as a rookie. So he was over a game, uh, a point a game as a rookie. 2016, 2017. So his sophomore year, he played in all 82 games. He had 100 points. And he won. <coughs> excuse me. He won the Art Ross Trophy for most points in the league, and he won the MVP in his second year. 2017, 2018, he plays in 82 games, scores 108 points. Um, he wins the Art Ross Trophy for most points, um, and he wins the uh, Ted Lindsay Award. So that's the most outstanding player in the league voted on by the players. So he won that in 2016 as well. All right, 2018-19, he plays in 72 games, or 78 games, 116 points. He wins the Hart Trophy. Uh, no. Nope, he doesn't win the Hart Trophy that year with 116 points. Um, 2019, 64 games, 97 points. 2020, 21, 56 games. This is where it starts getting just ridiculous. So he plays in 56 games and has 105 points. That's crazy. That is. So he wins the MVP again. Uh, he wins the scoring title again. He wins the Ted Lindsay Award again. And then basically, he wins every award from 2020 to 2023. So uh, last year, he played in 80 games, 123 points, wins every award. And, and then this year, he played in 82 games. He had 153 points. And it's like, this guy is great. And the scariest part about the entire thing is arguably the second best player in the entire world plays on his team with him. Right. And it's like the stuff that Dreisaitl is doing is freakishly phenomenal. Like it's insane. And you can't let this guy go continuously. These two players who are so special it's like Yamir Yager and Mario Lemieux together. It's like you can't let these guys go. When are they going to win a Stanley Cup? And every year that passes, when you're putting up 156 points from one player, it's like the the time the people are starting to look at their watches when it comes to the Edmonton Oilers, and it's like, yo, you guys better get your shit together. You better get a goaltender. You know, they went out and they got – Campbell and he looked like crap in the playoffs and it's like the time's ticking and it would be a shame if you had a Dan Marino who was one of the best players and dominated a sport but was never able to to win a ring I I do think that they will be able to but I think like the time is like pretty much right now so to me that's a really big storyline as far as uh, this upcoming season and then to go into that, my, my second biggest, which goes into the Calder trophy. All right, so if you don't have, all right. So if you don't get to pick, if you don't get to pick Connor McDavid, who do you have to win the MVP of the league? 
That's a tough one. I abstain. I don't know. Maybe like Austin Matthews, I'm assuming. Yeah. Austin Matthews, you know, it's I always had a, you know, I always kind of thought that it was about um, who picked their team up the most. And obviously when you're scoring a gazillion goals like like McDavid did, it's it you can't say that he's not the guy. Austin Matthews, is he is, or is Toronto dead without him? Is he He scored six he, goals. He scored a lot of goals last year, yeah. Um, he Not also, last year, the year before. 60 goals. That's a lot of goals, man. You know, he's got a good supporting cast. Um, you know, like when the when uh, the year that um, – wow, I'm like brain dead. What, here. Taylor Hall? The year that Taylor Hall won – we really he had he did not have a supporting cast, I know, and I thought that that really, you know, you was you what the Hart Trophy was. You can't you can't just. I, I don't think it's fair to only give it to somebody who plays on a shitty team. Just because his management built a team around him doesn't make him any less of a great player. No, I agree. I, I don't. I don't think so. I think that. Success. What about Tate? What about Tage Thompson? Sure. I mean, that's that would be that that would be somebody that jumps out on me. Okay. That's Tage Thompson. I think that they're going to be. I think that Buffalo is going to be a big surprise this year. That's if you were going to pick who who's the scariest lines to play against. That's going to be one of them. Um, he's you know between him. Tuck Skinner, that's he's you know he's a driving force. He's going to get better and better and better too. Um, we get into the. Uh, I completely agree. I, I'm so high on Buffalo. It's it's crazy. I think Buffalo is basically New Jersey of last year, and, and you, they very well could be. Yeah, and, and like what's really crazy with me is like you go through, they still have JJ Paterka and Dylan cousins, which they signed to a long-term contract this year. And then like Peyton Krebs is a super high draft pick who is just trying to turn the corner, who is going to be your third line center. That is pretty deep down the middle. If he could, if he could just get the hang of it, it's very deep. And then obviously you have Rasmus Dahlin, Mateus Samuelson, but then you have Owen Power as well, who's playing and your second pairing left-handed defenseman who is a number one overall pick. So you have two number one overall picks on your back end. And, I mean, you look at uh, Devin Levy, he's like one of the favorites to be that, that could be a, um, a Calder candidate this year. Now, I think that the question mark, there's still question marks regarding him because similar to similar – to, um, Akira Schmid, he, he hasn't, there's not a big sample size. So like before we all get ahead of ourselves, like let's, let's take a step back for a minute and, and see if we uh, see what we really have out of this kid. So I, that's why Buffalo's kind of kicking the tires on some of these goaltenders that we're looking at as well, because I think they know they have a good team. I think they're ready to take the next step. They have a good young promising goaltender, but it's, they're not sure if he's ready just yet. So um, 
Tage Thompson MVP. Like it. That's a bold prediction, but I like where your head's at. Um, okay. I would I wouldn't be surprised if it was Dry I'm talking about coming in second, obviously. Um, right. Yeah. Right. I wouldn't be Pasternak. Yeah, I think Pasternak's game's going to fall off a little bit because he's not going to be playing with Bergeron. Um, I think I I like I like Austin Matthews on a bounce back year. He would be my number two if I had to guess. Okay. Um, you get into the Calder Trophy, and we've talked about that. And obviously, Connor Bedard is he. This this just basically lines up with my second storyline of the season, and it's the Connor and it's Connor Bedard, and I really. I don't think that some people understand what this kid was doing uh, or has been doing for how long. Um, and I'm not talking about you, Dad. I'm just talking about every year when the first overall pick is picked, for the most part, not so much with Nico, but, and, you know, maybe Darlene, but people are really gas up the first overall pick. And then, you know, Shane Wright, for instance. For two years, people thought Shane Wright was going to be the number one overall <laughs> pick, and he's the next this, and he's the next that. But really, people have been talking about Connor Bedard for a very, very long time, and he has been under extreme pressure, and the spotlight has been on him since he's been 12 years old. And he, to me, I think he is the next greatest hockey player. And uh, I have no problem putting that out there and, and accepting it if it doesn't work out. But uh, everything about this kid's game resonates with what I think a hockey player is. And it's a lot of it is vision and, and confidence, hockey IQ, edge work. The shot is just insane. He's insanely mature for being a kid. Um, and the stuff that he's done is really groundbreaking. So pretty much everywhere that he's been, he is completely dominated. He was one of seven players in the history of Canadian hockey that was granted exceptional status to be able to play, uh, you know, play up. And the quickest way that I could really give people an idea as to what this kid is doing is to basically compare him to Connor McDavid and you know, Connor McDavid in juniors played in 166 games and had 97 goals. And Connor Bedard has played in 134 games and has 134 goals. So he's a goal per game player. Um, He's, he's just basically, he's off the charts. He's, uh, he recorded 271 points in 134 games while McDavid finished his junior, junior career with 285 points in 166 games. So um, you get into like the world juniors and like the stuff that he did in the world juniors was insane. No one's ever did that before. McDavid and Bedard both played in 14 games and Bedard had 13 goals. McDavid had four. Um Connor McDavid had 11 goals Bedard, or assist. Bedard had 18. So he had double, more than double the points that Connor McDavid had playing in the World Junior Championships. He basically broke every single record for Team Canada in the World uh, Junior Championships as well. Um, 
he he literally I think he broke every literally every record. So he, you know, the most points he broke that, beating Eric Lindros, uh, the most goals by a Canadian. Kid's just on he's on some next level. And I, I think like, you know, we talked about we talked about the Calder trophy and we were talking about it the other day. Yes. I think that Luke Hughes is in a much better situation in order to shine and, and be successful. But I just think that the skill level, the hype, and I think the kid's really that good. I, I, I don't think that there's a way. I mean, I think anybody, anything can happen. That's why you play. Sure, sure, absolutely. But I just think, like, he really is that good. And, you know, you look at, like, Look at Rasmus Dahlin or look at Jack Hughes or you look at these kids all have trouble and they stumble in their first years, especially when the spotlight's on them. They don't have anybody around them. Exactly. And then it takes them exactly. like three years, four years. They start to, you know, they, they get acclimated with the speed of the game. They become professionals and then they really blossom. Um, I think, it, and then there's those rare exceptions like Connor McDavid where they come in and they completely dominate or an Austin Matthews who, comes in in his first game right, ever, right. scores four goals. It's like there are people that are just on such a different level, and I believe Bedard is that guy, um, especially with that shot. I think he's going to probably I, – I would not be surprised if he scores 20 goals as a rookie with nobody around him. Um, so with that said, let's not take I, Bedard. I, 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 right. I was, um, I was happy uh, – because this is our, our, you know, this has been a discussion between us going on and on. I was happy to see that the Locked On Devil guy had, you know, he definitely shared my sentiment that Luke Hughes has such a great supporting cast that you got to push him somewhere in there. And I've seen him down as far as, you know, fifth for, you know, people picking who's going to win the, the Calder. Um, I just, I just think that he's going to step right up and he's got such a great team around it, such a great offensive team around it. And it's, you, you know, guys, you don't see a lot of, you know, uh, stay at home defensemen winning that. It's a, they only care about points. Exactly. So it's, I think he's got the best opportunity that that would be my pick. Okay. We got the Vesna Trophy. Who do you think will win goaltender of the year? Now, please keep in mind, like, Ilya Sorokin could be the best goaltender on the planet. And and that's exactly who I was going to say, but it's like he's on playing on such a shit team. It's like, what, how does – can he win that? Can he can he possibly win it playing on that team? Um. Are you asking me this as a question That's right now? Because he was actually, uh, you're at, you know, when I think about this, when I when I think about who should win the Vesna, it's like who's the best goalie right now? If I had to pick one person that could be my goalie, you know, it wouldn't be Shesterkin, it would be Sorokin. I mean, he would definitely, if I could pick, cherry pick one goalie out of the league and put him on the Devils, that's who I'd put on. Yeah, he's pretty good. <laughs> Um, just to switch it up, 
I'm not going to pick Shesterkin. I'm going to go Jake Ottinger. I think Jake Ottinger could win the Vesna Trophy this year. Dallas has a good team where they could definitely make him look really good. Um, you know, you, you talk about teams that you could see going far, and, and Dallas might be my Dallas pick. And yeah. all right, so we got one more. We got uh, the Norris Trophy. And obviously, this is just like the Connor McDavid situation, but I think to a lesser scale. So um, I think that Kel McCarr is by far the front runner to win the Norris Trophy. And I didn't look at the lines or anything, but I'm, I, I know enough to know that he's going to be the front runner, and rightfully so. I mean, the kid has won the Hobie Baker Award as the best college player in uh, – the best collegiate hockey player. He won the Calder trophy as um, the best rookie in the NHL. He won the Norris trophy as the best defenseman. Um, and he won the Conn Smythe trophy and a Stanley cup. And he is 24 years old. He is the closest thing that we've seen to like a Bobby or if his, if his, if his game continues to stay on the track that it is, and I don't see why it wouldn't, he did have a head injury last year, which is always scary when you have concussions right. and stuff like that, which is such a shame because there are very few defensemen that I've ever seen play the position like him um, because he is a two-way defenseman. And it's like, I know like you will bust on Dougie Hamilton because you don't think he's great in the defensive zone. Dougie Hamilton is actually, I'm not saying he's great, but he is, a, he is in the big scheme of things, a two-way defenseman. He is. Like Eric Carlson, like, you know, Tyson Barry, like some of these other guys, they are just, I mean, they're so one-dimensional. It's basically like you have four forwards on the ice. You know what I mean? Like at least Dougie gets back and does play some defense. It's like he's not just, he has, he he's not, He's not just uh, a liability when he's on the ice playing defense. He's not. I mean, I don't think he's a shutdown defenseman, but no. my, my point is uh, Kel McCarr can play. He could play both ends of the ice. I mean, typically when he's on the ice, the ice is, is tilted, but um, I obviously have him to win the Norris Trophy. Now, if we didn't get to pick Kel McCarr, to me – I got two players. Uh, the, yeah, so I brought it up in the last episode is Darlene, but I can't help. And I'm a, I'm, I just like defensemen more than I like forwards. So, like, I, I pay attention to defensemen a lot more. And Miro Heiskanen is one of the best players in the NHL, flat out, period. Not talking about defensemen. I'm talking about players in the NHL. Miro Heiskanen is a freak. And to see him come out this week and say that he wants to be the best defensive player in the world over Kill McCarr, like he's not scared. He's not scared. He owns it. And well, he could back it up. Too. He can back it up is right. Um I think uh I think Dallas So you're heavy on Dallas. I am super heavy on Dallas and I'm super heavy on like I'm I'm heavy on Dallas to win the Stanley Cup. Really? Yeah. And you look at like Jason Robertson and like he's insane too. It's like that kid, if he was playing in a bigger market, I think 
there would be so much talk about him. He's amazing. He's definitely amazing. He's very, very good. Um, what he did last year was was pretty <clears throat> was pretty awesome. Um, he had 109 points, 46 goals. So they have like That's pretty they have a young team. They got, and I think uh, Pavelski is Joe Pavelski still there. Joe Pavelski in front of the net. There is nobody that could tip a puck better in the NHL than Joe Pavelski. He's he's so nasty. But um, but yeah, what what Heiskanen and like what happened was like um, what was his name? Uh, Lindell, right? Oh man, who was it? That uh, that was playing for um, I was playing for Dallas on defense and was quarterback in their power play and whatnot. Anyway, the the Heiskanen holds the ball in his court at this point, and and he really last year he finally had a had a breakout year as far as like stats go. Everybody knew how good he was, but um, and if you guys have never seen it, type in on YouTube Miro Heiskanen's first shift. And like you see the way that this kid could skate, and it's like holy crap. Um, but last year, yeah, he he had seventy three points as a defenseman last year, and I think it's only going to continue to go up. So if Kale McCarr does not win the Norris Trophy, I believe Merrill Heiskanen will, followed by Rasmus Dahlin. Okay, who do you got? I would have I would have picked Kale McCarr for sure, and I would have went Dahlin over over Heiskanen. Okay. Yeah, um, we'll see. We'll see. I thought Dougie Hamilton's performance last year was was awesome. I think he got he he, he, rate, he was rated number fifty in uh, top uh, one hundred uh, or top fifty uh, NHL players. Yeah, yeah. That's not. That, I didn't ah. think that was fair. I didn't think that was fair. Not for last year. Meanwhile, people are picking him like second or third as far as defensemen go for fantasy because, uh, in you know. You get points for shots, and Dougie Hamilton gets the puck through. Oh, he had a lot of shots. Like, I, it's like he's he's been a huge help on our back end for us. So, right. um, a couple of other storylines that I think are going to be important when it when the, for this season and the upcoming season. One of them is uh, is Arizona Coyotes, and I think that there's going to be a decision made sometime very soon. I would give it up until probably around Christmas. And don't be surprised if the Arizona Coyotes are on their way to Salt Lake City. I think that is going to happen. Um, Gary Bettman has tried his damnedest to keep them in Arizona. Obviously, you had Austin Matthews come out of Arizona, who was great for the game. and um, But when they weren't able to to get the building built and they're playing inside a college rink and there's 5,000 people there and it's like, it's going to be hard to keep players. And and like Logan Cooley is going to be there uh, this year, which is going to be very important and, and big for them. He'll be right there for the Calder but too. They were worried about Clayton Keller wanting to leave because it's like, it's weird. You know what I mean? Like they want to, these are, these people have worked, these kids have worked their entire lives to get to this position and they deserve to be treated like professionals and in a professional environment. And if the NHL isn't, it's a bad look for the NHL to be playing in a 5,000 seat arena. You know what I mean? So, um, 
and Salt Lake is the the number one contender. Yeah, I think Salt Lake. I think Salt Lake is is the wow. is the front runner. Yep. Which I mean, when you, you look at what you would love to see somebody go back to Quebec. Yeah, I I don't think that's going to happen. I don't. I think um. You know they have to build a building and everything. Salt Lake, you have the Utah Jazz already, right? Um, and that market has just done really well, especially lately. The Pacific Northwest, when it comes to when it comes to hockey, I mean, new franchise. It's like Seattle's there, and I mean, I know it's not the Pacific Northwest, but Vegas is kind of out west, like just south of there. So you could create some sort of territorial rivalry between between the franchises as well. I mean, not for nothing, but fucking Florida Panthers should get their shit together too. If they don't drop their, they don't drop their building. Their building is in the worst possible area ever. If they move that to Miami, where the Heat play, or they moved it to Fort Lauderdale, I literally live fifty minute, uh, fifty miles from there, and it takes two and a half hours to get there. It's in the worst possible place you could put put an arena there's way too much traffic there is no easy way to get there you put it down put it down in miami and the bright line will go there and they'll fill it up plus the people have some money over there in miami yeah it's it's embarrassing it's embarrassing it really is um so yeah that's something that i'm going to be paying attention to um you know similar not similar to the mcdavid thinks that's on a whole different level but i feel like the time is ticking on the New York Rangers too. And the New York Rangers are really in a position to where if they don't start winning like now, it could get ugly for them too. And you know how it is in New York. If you don't win, it's like people have very short fuses. They just fired Gallant. Um, you're going to see, I would not be surprised if the fan base turned on uh, Panarin. Uh, they, they could very well. I think we already saw that. They happen. could very well turn on Jacob Truba being overpaid and, it's like if something was to happen to Shesterkin, and I don't wish it to because the league is better when he is playing in it, no doubt about it. Um, but if something was to happen to him, Jonathan Quick is just so not quick um, that he would be a huge yeah, liability and you might have a serious meltdown in New York if they don't come out swinging this year. I think I think they're kind of starting to get a little long in the tooth and um, – it's a hard place to play, and they turned on Lafreniere. They turned on Kako. I mean, it's like they just—I can't see them being successful. I don't know if they turned on them. I think they are—they are very close to. I mean, I think they give Kako a little more leash, uh, and rightfully so. I think he's been a better player than Lafreniere's been. But they, they, they did just sign Lafreniere to a two-year deal, two point seven million bucks, and. Um, this could be the make or break year for Alexei Lafreniere in New York for sure. Um, and he was the number one overall pick. And it's like they've given him a ton of, they haven't given him a ton of leash, but they've been very patient with these guys. And the kid line better turn into the man line really quick because their man line are now old men line. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And you, you had it, you filled up that team. You, you know, you put Patrick Kane on it and you put, uh, but that was for like, you put Tarasenko on it. I'm just saying that it's like, if you can't win adding guys like that, when you had, 
you know, what was supposed to be the uh, contender. Is Patrick Kane any good? Is Patrick Kane any good? Right now. Would you want him? No, nobody wants him. Nobody seems to want him, do they? He can't play. He only can score goals. He cannot play any defense right. at all. You know, one of the guys who is yet to be signed, like, I know how impressed you are by Dawson Mercer playing in, what has it been? Like, let's say 180 games. That's that's your thing, right? Dawson, Yeah, Dawson Mercer played two full seasons, played every game. Okay. Now, you that impresses you. That impresses the hell out of me. It does, and I would agree because the most important thing is showing up for the games and relying and being there and being reliable. Phil Kessel has now played in 1,064 right. consecutive games. Nobody wants him. <laughs> it's not that nobody wants him. I think that people don't want to be the one to sign him and then have him and then healthy scratch him. So he has, right. so he actually, you know, he's come out and said, you can healthy scratch me. I just want to continue to play on a team. And I mean, he just won a Stanley Cup with Vegas. He's probably he's a clutch player. Yeah, he 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 really didn't do much in this in this um in the last series, but the guy is one of the most likable people in all of hockey. Um, you know, him eating the hot dogs and laying around with his <laughs> gut hanging out and his hair's all messed up, like and he's so he's like got the sickest shot and he's like long in the tooth now. But the dude hasn't missed a game since two thousand nine. That's amazing. It's it's mind-boggling how somebody could do that. It's like, holy. With God. how fast the game is and how hard it is right now, it's amazing that, that somebody could play that many games. Feel the thrill. But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, we got – so we have rookie camp coming up at the end of the week, and then we have um, training camp starts next week. Big shout out to Jamie Langenbrunner who just made the USA Hockey Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, Devils captain, he deserves Cup it. winner. Um, he definitely deserves it. Shout out to the Uncle Puckers podcast. I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be hopping on with those guys and shooting the shit. Those guys are funny. If you haven't listened to them yet, make sure you go and check them out. Um, but I can't wait to start sharing the the season with everybody. I can't wait to actually have some like live updates and, and stuff going on. And once camp opens, it's like you can start getting a look at people and you never know who's going to impress you. And we have, we have some, some legit people. Like I wonder if Hemanaho is going to camp um, because he's somebody I want to take a good look at. Yeah. And it's going to be, it's going to be interesting how they, they break the teams up on the the 25th. Hey, one thing uh, that fans should know is that MSG has released MSG Plus, which is a streaming platform that you can buy the season direct. So you do not need to have the cable. You do not, not need to have cable anymore. And that has been something that has been plaguing me for a very long time. I pay for cable and I have the games, but... Um, I get blacked out and stuff if uh, if I try to rewatch a game or sometimes I just want to cut cable because I really don't watch much on cable besides like football and I have it just for the Devils games. Now I could kind of cut cable and I could get the streaming platform. So if you are um, 
if you are somebody that has had trouble getting uh, MSG, which ha- I mean, I know MSG and Comcast and MSG and has uh, they've been fighting for years. So um, I just saw that today. That was kind of that was kind of nice to hear because it's it's been a yeah. I, I now will they will they be will they have the games on when I saw that we have like sixteen nationally broadcasted games? Yeah. So some of the games that are nationally broadcasted, if you're in a local market, you get the MSG broadcast. So if you have if you buy the MSG package, you could watch you could watch. I'm them buying. The game. I'm buying yeah. Yeah, I I, I want to hear I want to hear Bill Spalding and Dano do the games. I don't want to hear. Uh, I I'm not a big NBC or ESPN kind of guy. Yeah, I much rather hear them call the games. You don't want Leah Hextall to call the games, is what you're saying? I hate Leah Hextall. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, yeah, it's going to be good to to catch up with everybody. We have tickets to all the preseason games, Dad. If you uh, want to go up and do some amateur scouting from the stands, it's like. Did you ever watch? Uh, did you ever watch that that movie? Um, oh, fuck. Uh, something pitch, fever pitch, or the one? With, oh yeah, 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 Drew Barrymore. Yeah, with, yeah, with Drew Barrymore and um, and, she, and she's like, I know who you're and, talking about. Yeah, and and Adrian's just like, and it reminded me of the movie. She's like, wait, so you you go and you watch them, the kids who aren't going to make the team train. And then what? You tell the coaches who you think they're not. <laughs> no, no, we don't tell the coaches. No, no they don't listen. Yeah, they're like, then what do you do? We just talk about them between ourselves. And you're like, why, w- why would you do that? And it's just like, because it's fun. What if, yeah. ever, what if they ever need our advice? We would have all that. What if Lindy Ruff calls me up on a Thursday night and says, Bill, did you watch scrimmage the other day? What do you think? <laughs> so you're going to watch people who aren't going to make the team play? Yeah. Yeah, we are. Yeah, what? absolutely. Why? Um, because they wear devil jerseys. Um, yeah. So if you want to do that, uh, we have we have games. Let me see what we got right here. We're gonna pull them up. This is our gonna be our preseason schedule. Um, and obviously some of these are gonna be split rosters. But our first game is on September 25th at home versus the Philadelphia Flyers. So that's two weeks from today. There will be right. Devils hockey going on in Newark, which is crazy. And. and- Half of the team will be up in um, Montreal. I don't think it's that day. So uh, I, I don't think that that's the case, actually. I thought that they were splitting. Uh... So it says that they play the 25th at home, and then they play the 28th on the road, the 30th on the road, uh, the second at home, the fourth at home, the sixth away. And then they should have their roster figured out by then. Anyway, um the Devils did hit me up today. I got a new Devil rep. Which, oh, nice. I know. I'm kind of excited about it. I, I, I hate, like, trying to be, like, you know, I'm trying to be cool. Like, my rep, I was trying to be cool with her. She's she's a nice woman. She was very nice. But I I got screwed on those playoff tickets. You did. And you did. I, I, got a new, I got a new rep who went to Georgetown. I'm like, jeez. <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> that's awesome you sound very smart like you're gonna handle my account you went to georgetown okay whatever so if we make the playoffs will you remember to call me <laughs> and if i ever need counsel because i got locked up at, at the game 
<laughs> I was in the whiskey and I hit a guy, yeah. a Ranger fan. What about? Yeah, I'm going to need you to come over here real quick. <laughs> um, I get I get a call from Port Jervis, whoever the rep is. At the end of the year last year, I was like, you know what? I just want to sit together. I'm I'm going to buy my own tickets, even though I live in Florida and I'm never going to be at the game. So I just want to have the really like gluttonous. And, the, and, and I know, I know. And he and Billy talked me out of it. And it's like now I, I I've been like just like uh, ditching this guy from Port Jervis, this poor guy calling me about you know wanting to oh, they be harass, black oh, they and harass everybody. Right. So it's like just buy an extra seat next to you. So just in case we make the playoffs, like well, we could all well, sit I, together. I told him, I, I hit up my rep. I was like, hey, listen, I'm like, you need to find, get two seats next to mine. And if you can't get them next to mine, then obviously look for seats that are comparable to ours and then tell me if you have anything available. And they were, and she was just like, nope. <laughs> I was like, well, okay. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I, I take one of Billy's kids and Billy has the other one for the playoffs that it's like that. It's just, you gotta, you growing up with our four seats where they were, it's like, you gotta be next to each other, high five and you know, the goals and everything else. Yeah, in the playoffs. Well, well, we're going to be at the home opener. The two of us, it's on a Thursday. They have school the next day. So um, but that Friday game, they play back-to-back home games. What a way to start the season. They play on Friday, yeah. and then it's going to be all of us are going to be together at the game, all six of us. So and we're not going to be in our seats, for, you know, but it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. No, that'll be fun. Yeah. That'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be cool. So. Our, yeah, we have three. We start off with three home games, and then after that, I'll shuttle everyone and the dogs down to Florida and be making my trips back up. Nice. I'll move into your basement. Everything will be great. Hey, it's it's starting to look pretty good here. An old friend. I have an old friend. Back. Oh wow. <laughs> what would a basement? Us. What would a basement be without a a seven foot tall oh. <laughs> Sir Lancelot? Yeah, knight in the corner of your room. <laughs> I found a lot of cool stuff. All right, it's all going up. Well, um, yeah. Dad, thanks for coming on. And uh, fans, thanks for listening. Can't wait to get this season underway. We are two weeks away from the first Devils preseason game. You've been listening to the Trap Podcast. I am Bill Botch here with the Pickle. We will talk to you soon. Peace.